You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. Today's text is taken from John chapter 11, verses 17 to 27. John chapter 11, verses 17 to 27. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is God's word. Good morning, everyone, and happy Easter. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Pete. I'm so glad that you're spending your Easter morning with us. And Holy Cross, I miss you so much. I miss all of you. It's been nice to see some of your faces through video conferences or uh, over FaceTime or social media. And I, I hope that we can get together very soon. You know, maybe some of you were able to do this in our earlier uh, live video conference, but I want to give it give a chance for everyone else at home this morning. Uh, it's customary on, on Easter morning to give a greeting when someone says he is risen. Then we reply with, he is risen indeed. And so let's do that now uh, once again. He is risen. I'm trusting that that worked. I can't hear you, but I I hope that you join with me at home. You know, possibly now, uh, more than in a generation, we are people that are looking for good news in the midst of difficulty in our world. Every generation, of course, has had its battles and its struggles. And when we look at the Bible, we see that Jesus doesn't shy away from the realism of death and of suffering. But neither does he fail to use uh, suffering and the opportunity of suffering to magnify the good news of his resurrection and how he His resurrection is the key to all of our hope in the midst of suffering and well beyond it. That's what he does in John 11, which was read just a moment ago. But first, before we get to that, just a little brief American history. Did you know that this morning marks the 65th anniversary of a monumental announcement that had taken place in America that would change the course of of history and of people's lives and of countless lives all over the world? In the main headline on April 12th, 1955, in the newspapers in bold letters read this, polio is conquered. Some of you may remember that. And it was said that the one thing that people feared in the 1940s and 50s, only second to the, uh, the atomic bomb, was polio. 
Every summer, families were gripped and paralyzed, crippled with fear. Literally, it was a devastating virus that, that affected very young children and that caused a lifelong paralysis. Imagine the fear and uncertainty of families all over America. That they were afraid that their, their little children were, would, cap, would get this virus, uh, contract this, this uh, disease, and be uh, succumb to lifelong suffering by the tens of thousands every year. Until one day when Dr. Jonas Salk, he developed a vaccine, he tested it on almost 2 million children in America, and the cases of polio went from 60,000 every year to less than 100 it was good news. It was good news that Americans waited to hear. They, there were celebrations in the streets, laughter in their heart for the first time in decades. People felt protected from this, this disease that had crippled uh, a country for over a hundred years. And I want this story to help us think more clearly uh, about the story and the scene that we see unfolding in John chapter 11. The good news that Jesus gives in the midst of great sorrow. We find ourselves this Easter morning struggling with the tension between uh, the suffering of life and the trouble of the reality that we face in our world and the good news of Christ's uh, conquering triumph over all of sin and its consequences. And in John chapter 11, we read about the death of Jesus's good friend, a man named Lazarus who fell ill uh, and died uh, from an illness that we do not know. Jesus arrives at his house and it's already too late. His friend has died. And, and Lazarus's two sisters run to Jesus and say the same thing. They say, if only you could have been here you could have saved him. You could have done something to prevent this, but now it's too late. They're both feeling something that the Bible tells us is very familiar and also fair to feel. It's the feeling that we feel when things just don't work right, when they don't go the way that we had hoped they would go. The feeling that we have when we feel that things are just not the way they're supposed to be in the world. And the Bible says we should feel this way. It's totally normal to feel that way. Sickness and death are intruders in God's good world. They don't belong here. Death isn't our friend. Death is an enemy. When our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God, rebelled against his good plan, chose to believe a lie instead of believing the truth, they opened the door to all kinds of sin and havoc that would be unleashed in the world. I don't think I need to convince you or anyone that, that we live in the midst of, of a world that is not the way that it is supposed to be. But our story doesn't end with that suffering. I'm so thankful that, that the sisters didn't rush to Jesus and say, if only you could have been here, you could have prevented this. And Jesus said, well, that's just the way that life is. Uh, that's the world we live in. It's a sign of the times. But scripture tells us that God cares for our sorrows and that he seeks to do something about it. He desires to heal us of all that breaks us and that makes us sad. He seeks to make right what is not right in the world. 
You see, we, we see that Jesus weeps over his friend who he's lost. He is filled with compassion. His, he's deeply moved by it all. And then he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And that's pretty special. We can admit that, right? This is an amazing thing that happens. What a great relief to Lazarus, I'm sure. What a great relief to, to Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. But poor Lazarus, he has to actually go through this all over again. He actually has to die a second time later in his life. And poor Mary and Martha, they actually have to grieve a second time when their brother dies again. They have to go through the whole process of grieving and burying him. And so as amazing as this is that Jesus would raise a man from the dead... Something more special is happening here for us to see. Jesus tells us, he shows us that this amazing thing that he has done is for the purpose of us seeing the power and meaning for all that he would say about himself and so that we can understand what it means for us. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? Do you believe these things to be true? Jesus makes this striking claim, three striking claims in this brief conversation. He says, first, I'm the resurrection. Then he says, I am the life. And then he says, the key to all of this being understood and being a part of our life is Believing in him. He is the key to all of this happening. So let's start with the statement, I am the resurrection. The one who believes in Jesus will live even though he dies. Jesus is acknowledging that everyone will die. And we don't like to know this. We don't like to think about death. We try to keep death out of our thoughts and away from our perspective. But Jesus Jesus promises life after death. He promises that his resurrection will lead to the physical, eternal life in, in the new creation. The Bible says that everyone, Christian and non-Christian, will be raised and their senses will be restored. They'll be given new bodies that are able to fully experiencing what is happening around them. But those who don't know Christ and have put their trust in him will be raised to new life, but be raised to death. And those who do know Jesus and have put their trust in him will be raised to new life, eternal life. So Jesus is telling us that there is life after death. And even though we die, we will be given new life. What practically does this mean for us? Well, it proves that because Jesus is the resurrection, because he is not dead today and has been risen to new physical life, that there is nothing that can separate us from God, not even death itself. Jesus willingly suffered. He willingly died for the sake of eternal, spiritual, and real gain for you and me. The Apostle Peter tells us this in another way, that Jesus died and he rose from the grave in order to bring us to God. When Jesus calls himself the resurrection, he's talking about the access to the real and relational love of God that we can have that has no end. So who is it that gets this eternal life rather than this eternal 
death and separation from God? Well, Jesus is asking, answering that question for us. But let me ask you a question in the most simplest of ways that I can. On what basis do you feel that when you approach God when you die, that you can be confident that you will be with God in the fullness of joy and forgiveness and, 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 and salvation with him forever? On what basis do you have that confidence? Maybe you might say something like, well, I once was a bad person, but now I'm actually a lot better than I used to be. I'm trying to be better. Or maybe you can say, well, I've, I've always thought of myself as a really kind and, and caring person. I, I live by the motto of do unto others as I would like them to do unto me. Or maybe you think that, that you've never really done anything so bad to be cut off from eternal life with God forever. But Jesus here in saying that I am the resurrection, he's saying that, that the basis of our life after death with him is not the improvement of our own character. It's not the endurance of our record, but it is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus to secure our relationship with God the Father, to bring us to God so that we can be with him forever. If he is the resurrection, then that means we are not. And our access to God depends on his work and not ours. So he says, I'm the resurrection. And then he says, I am the life. There is life after death. But then he says, I am the life now. To this point, he says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now, if we aren't careful, we can think that Jesus is just messing with us at this point. He just said, everyone dies, but not everyone lives. And now he's saying not everyone needs to die, but you can live forever. He means that it's possible to be spiritually alive in this life, even though we are facing physical death in this life. Even as our bodies grow older, even as we grow weaker and as we age, even though there is a threat of sickness and struggle in life that seeks to take our life, there is a kind of life that is in us that nothing can take away, not even death itself when it comes. You see, for, for many of us, we often have a far too narrow view of eternal life. We think of eternal life as only in a future sense. We think that, yes, I believe that when I die, we say, I'll go to heaven and be with God forever. And it is true. In Christ, there is life beyond death. But it also means that in Christ, there is life before death. There is a new, renewed, restored, recreated kind of life that we can live in the here and now before we die, and even as we are growing closer to a physical death. This is what Jesus meant when he told his disciples, this is eternal life, that you would know me. The resurrection was always thought to be this future event, but Jesus shows us that it's not only future, but because he is the resurrection, his recreation work in us has already begun. He's making us new. He's giving us new life. He's waking up our hearts to experience the power of his resurrection before we die. By faith, we are filled with the spirit of God, the same power that raised Lazarus from the dead, the same power that would raise Jesus from the dead. It energizes our faith. It transforms us into the character of Christ. 
and it keeps us secure in the love of God forever until Jesus returns. So Jesus is saying that death is one of those things that none of us can avoid. We see it, we feel it at a distance at times, at every stage of gray hair and every stage of aching joints. And maybe we feel at times that we're getting closer to it with every passing day. We feel the power and presence of death and as, as disease grows in our world. But we know that for those who trust in Jesus, death is not the end because death leads to life because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you fear death, if you fear sickness, it can be a very scary thing, a scary process. But Christians don't need to be afraid in this life before death because Jesus is also our life. He is alive today to give us peace, to fill us with hope, to remind us that he will never forsake us, that he is present with us, that he is walking with us and leading us through every trial. And so it really brings us to the final question. Well, what does it really mean then to believe in him? What does it mean to trust and have faith in Jesus? Jesus asked that question to Lazarus' sisters. He asked them, I just told you I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And he says that he is key to it all. When Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? He's not asking, do you believe that when you die, you will have new life? After death. But he's asking her, does your faith go beyond the simple trust of a future resurrection to a daily personal trust in me, the only person who can grant life after you die, who can grant transforming life in the midst of your life even today? See, the focus here is not on life or death or where you will spend eternity. The focus here is on Jesus. True saving faith is not simply a recognition that there is life after death. True saving faith involves trusting in Jesus in the here and in the now. Being a Christian is not simply about believing certain things to be true about Jesus and the Bible. Many people believe historical facts about Jesus that he lived a perfect life, that he died, that he rose from the grave, that he is alive today. But being a Christian is about entrusting our life and all that is in it to Jesus. The message of Easter is not simply this belief that there is life after death. Many people and many religions embrace that. The message of Easter is that there's life in Jesus and in him alone, that there's hope in Jesus. So it's really not even about the measure of our faith. It is not about the quantity and the character of how much we do believe, but it's about the object of our faith. It is about Jesus who saves us. Jesus isn't saying, come on, Mary, come on, Martha, just dig deep. Truly believe this. You can do this. Have a stronger faith in me. He's asking them, am I your hope? Am I your life? Am I your peace? Am I your strength? In the midst of this struggle right now, with you are grieving over the loss of your brother, am I enough for you today? You may feel that you today are 
weak in faith. You may feel that your faith at times becomes stronger and weaker depending on what happens. You may even wonder if the level of your faith would disqualify you as a Christian. And I don't mean to seem crass, but that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. The only question to ask is, do you believe that Jesus can save you? Do you believe that there is life in him and only in him today? Do you believe that no matter what trouble comes your way, that he is enough? That his strength is a strong enough to conquer any struggle, any sin, any discouragement, any confusion, that he is enough. Essentially, this is what Jesus is asking Mary and Martha. He says, am I enough for you? Notice that Martha's response of faith comes before Lazarus is risen from the grave. You see, she still doesn't expect that Jesus will go over there and raise him from the grave. That would be unreasonable and unlikely. But she believes in him and says, yes, I believe it. I believe that you are the one who God has sent to be my all and my all. That you are my hope, that you are the resurrection, that you are my life. And I trust my life to you. She does all of that before she sees the miracle. True faith is not just for good times. For times of peace and prosperity in our lives, it's easy to confess when we see a miracle. What if Jesus were to say, do you believe this, Mary and Martha? Do you believe that I'm the resurrection and life? Now, before you answer that, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to raise your brother from the grave. And then I'm going to come back and ask you that question again. Of course, they, afterwards, they would say, well, of course, I just saw this miracle. You're, you're the real deal. But true faith are, is for times like today. True faith is for times of sickness and fear and hard times and struggle and insecurity and uncertainty, even for times of death. True faith is for times when, when no miracle shows up. When each day there's bad news after bad news after bad news True faith is for you today where Jesus is asking, am I enough? Is what I have done for you and living the life that you should have lived in conquering sin and dying for sin, for conquering death and, and, and raising from the grave and promising new life. Is that enough for you in this moment? You know, like the headline on April 12th, 1955 that read, Polio is conquered. The headline today and every day because Jesus is alive is death is conquered. Sin is defeated. The central event in the Bible and all of human history is the death of Jesus on the cross for the sins of the world and his resurrection in victory over death and all of the consequences of sin. It is through sin that, that leads, that, that death entered into the world, and it is through Jesus' death that sin and, de and, and death are defeated once and for all. It means that those who are far from God and in darkness and in confusion and in life of fear are now brought close to God and into his care.
Those who are facing death and are in the midst of struggle do not need to be afraid. Do you know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you you know that he is the forgiver of sin? He is the conqueror of death. The only worse thing than dying is dying without Jesus. Sin is the problem. Death is the consequence. But Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the key to it all. The resurrection is proof that our identity and our future and our present hope in this life is not what we have done or can do or how we can even prevent struggle from happening in our life. But it is in what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. When we believe this, when we respond like Mary and Martha and say, yes, I believe this, then something amazing begins to happen deep within us. We become spiritually alive with the life of Christ We become transformed from one degree of his glory to the next. And the process goes on forever and ever that even physical death cannot stop it. And even physical death becomes a way to perfect God's word work in us to be like Jesus. Today is the day of good news. Today we see the headline that death has been defeated, that sin has been conquered. Even if you are already a Christian, today is good news. It is the good news where Jesus is the hero of our story. Where you live in light of the resurrection. Where you can truly confess that he is your life. And nothing can take you from the security that is found in his loving and caring hands. He will provide for you because he is alive today. He will rescue you because he is alive today. And he will come back for you because he has died for you and he is alive today. The new life and identity lived out by faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is an all-of-life response to the good news of God's grace. Undeserved, unmerited, ours forever. Do you believe this? If you do, There is life after death, and there is life before death, even as we are growing closer to death. And then even death itself becomes the way that we perfect all of God's plans for us. Nothing can stop us because Jesus is alive. Rest in him, my friends.